Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I figured if, if I wore a black shirt, nobody would notice that I was wearing a sling. And then uh, I realized, no, all of a sudden, there's just like white hand right out here. So, so, uh, so I'll just go ahead and tell you the story here. Um, it's, I, I appreciate the, the wonderful music going behind me, but it's not going to help one bit. It's not going to make it any better. So, you, you know, last week I declared that my word for the year is stand. Stand. And... Um, but 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 now I've decided to add a particular scripture to that, with, you know, from the book of Proverbs, which says, "Though the righteous fall seven times, he will arise." And so I arose. Except arise is not my word for this year. That was like three years ago. So here's what happened. Here you, you've got to hear the story so I can get it all over with. Uh, I've been I, I I tried staying away so that I wouldn't have to tell the story like 50 times coming in this morning. But here's the story. So just even walking in, what happened? What happens? Like you'll find out later. You'll find out later. So, I, I was getting. I was uh, on my way to the gym. I put my gym clothes on, and and I was like, well, of course I need gas. You, know, you got to stop at the store and get gas, right? So I I stopped at QT and was pumping gas. And so it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like here's here's my car. Let's just this will be my car right here, okay? This is my car, and here's the gas pump. And so I, I walk over there, you know, put in my little card, hang it, get it all set, start pumping gas. And I thought, you know, I have some gas additive in my trunk that I want to put in. So I stepped over the little hose and walked over to the trunk. And uh, the trunk is locked. Yeah, my keys and stuff's in the car. No biggie. I'll just go back to the car while this is pumping. So I step back over the hose. And then, but I, I remember thinking, I want to hurry and get this done because I don't want the tank to get filled up by the time I get my additive in there. There's no room for it. So I, I do, did like this and then my foot got hooked on the hose which is about two feet off the ground so I was I also had enough forward motion going and those of you who know me you know that I don't tend to walk around like this you know I don't walk around slowly I I take big steps and I'm, I'm moving I'm moving all the time and so I'm in this this state of motion and my foot is hung two feet up in the air and therefore the rest of my body is going to come down hard. And so I crashed. I hit the ground. I, uh, I, I sprained this, this, uh, this, this, what do you call it? Uh, what's that thing called? A wrist. Yeah. Sprained my wrist and you know, it, it hurts and everything, but it's not, it's, it's actually already getting better. My wrist, I'm getting happier about that. It's been wrapped up. So it's, it's doing good. And I uh, when, but when I landed, I, you know, landed on that wrist and and my, my you know, knee over this area, this leg, oh, it wasn't really my knee, kind of got scraped up, and, and my arm got scraped up, and, and uh, then my shoulder came out of its socket. Yeah. So, so here, here's the deal. If you ever are wondering, hey, I wonder if I dislocated whatever. No, trust me, you will know. You'll know. You'll know if you ever did. How many of you have dislocated? Uh, and, yeah, Okay. You guys know. You guys understand. Yeah, you've already been giving me tips on how to deal with it. So your tips, the the dislocated people in this church, you know, 
you are free to text me and give me all the tips necessary. But, but when I hit the ground, I remember going, ah, I remember like yelling, ah, and this is at the gas station and I'm, ah, and, and, and I felt, I, I felt my, my, the ball of my shoulder literally jump out. And, and then as soon as that happened, I, I got back up and, and pulled it back in. I mean, I, I did. I just got it right back in up against my car. And uh, I'm like, what just happened? And, but before I knew it, I mean, people were surrounding me. This one guy comes around up to me. He goes, I heard you yelling. Are you, is everything okay? I saw you fall. Or he Actually, he said, I heard you fall. I was like, I don't know. He, yeah. And, and, and uh, I'm like, so I know, well, uh, he's going to start punching around, see if something is hurting because if something's hurting, I've got a broken bone. And so I start punching around. I said, I, th- I think I'm okay. I think I'm all right. So I... You know, I, I go back to the pump, and, and of course, the, the wonderful pump, it was so nice because it knew that there was a tragedy nearby, so it stopped pumping. I don't know how it knew. It just knew. Well, that was sure was nice of that, but the, you know, of course, the nozzle is still in the car, and just FYI, just FYI, if, if you are ever in a, in a situation where you don't know where the, uh, where, if you're ever in a situation when your car is, is, uh, is hooked up to one of those things, what do you call it, a pump hose, hose pump, you know, you're, and, and you just think you can pull it out. You can't. You actually have to do it. That's another little cool thing I learned there, too. But as I, uh, as I finished that up, I thought, well, okay, that was interesting. Um, maybe I should go put some ice on it. So I was going to just, just, you know, forget going to the gym. I'm just going to drive home and put some ice on it. And I get into my car, and then I start to pull the door closed. And as soon as I reach over for my door, I felt my the ball of my shoulder coming out again. Like, okay, now this is not good. This is not good. So I, I pull over to the side, like, okay, let me look it up. Isn't it wonderful that we have these smartphones right now that can just tell you everything? And so I'm like, well, let's just look it up because I don't want to make a big deal about this. And I, because I never like making a big deal about stuff like that. I never do. So I looked it up and it says, if this ever happens to you, you need to, you need to immediately go to your doctor. Well, great. Well, great. So I, I went. I went to the doctor, and they said, okay, it's going to be an hour and a half wait. I said, well, I'll be here the whole time. And, and at that point, I could hardly write. And they said, okay, fill out this stuff. I said, I really can't, but why don't you fill it out for me? I was really being nice. I said, I really can't. So yes, no, no, yes, no, no, yes. And so we, we had gotten all through that. And, and then the girl said, you know what? I think I'm going to try to get you in a little earlier. <laughs> so, so, so they got me in and they, they did the x-rays. And thank God there are no broken bones. All right, that's good. So, so, oh, well, of course. Well, then, then I constructed this text message. I thought, I have to do this right because I knew Ian was with Rebecca. And so I sent them both a text and I, it started off by saying, I'm okay. <laughs> but I fell and I dislocated my shoulder and I'm at the doctor right now. But, uh, and they're going to be checking everything out. But I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Well, I mean, my phone just goes crazy. And see, because I did that once I got to the doctor. Because I wasn't going to do it beforehand. Because I have to, all this explaining to do while I'm driving. And then another thing is I find out that driving is not that much fun when you have one hand. So, so especially driving on the freeway. You know, driving on the freeway ordinarily, it's like, yeah, you know, just you know, staying alive. But at this point, it's like, oh, God, help me. And, and, uh, and then I realized that I couldn't really move my, my, uh, my wrist very much at all. So you kind of have to drive like this. 
And, and that's it. That's it. So I looked, well, you know what? You can also use your, your knee to help out a little bit. So I did the knee driving method and that. You can't, I couldn't like put my palm up against the, the, uh, the steering wheel to turn the steering wheel or anything like that. So when I got to the doctor's office, I was like, I, I can't park. I don't know. I, I literally cannot. I have to stop and do a little bit and then do a little bit and do a little bit. And I finally found a place I could park over there. I finally found one. And it, was, it, was, it was great. So I got all set up. And so I, just to let you know, I'm doing good. I'm taking medicine. And if, I, if I'm halfway through my sermon and I start preaching something else or telling all these jokes that have nothing to do with my sermon, please understand. That's just the way it works sometimes. That's just the way it works. You know, one time, this I'm very serious. Like I, th- I think I've told you this before, but one time, this is probably about, uh, about 20 years ago, but I was doing an evening service and I'd had a headache that afternoon. And so I went home and grabbed some medicine. I grabbed some Tylenol and took the Tylenol, went back, and I was, it went right back, right up until the time of the preaching. I started preaching. And man, I was just happy up there. I was really, really happy. And I was, st- I just, I, I couldn't find my place in my notes. And so I started telling jokes. I started just having fun. And then we had, then we had a, the, the, I was about the end times. Yeah, that was my sermon. And so. <laughs> And, and then I did this altar call. People came up and just flooded and were praying for. And I stood there and I was like, whoosh. So I, I told one of my head elders, I said, I'm not feeling well. I, I think I need to leave. Y'all just keep praying for people. I'm going to scoot out the back door. And I got home. I could hardly make it home. And, and Rebecca, you know, she's like, what did you take? I said, that Tylenol, that blue bottle. She says, Tim, that's Tylenol PM. <laughs> you gave yourself sleep medicine. And I had no idea that it would make me giddy. So... Welcome to church. Though the righteous fall seven times, <laughs> they will rise again. So here we go. And more than anything, this is just embarrassing <laughs> right now. It's just embarrassing, but, but I'm, I'm hoping to get through this. So just be praying for my pain and pray, pray that I can, that there, there are no torn ligaments or anything like that. So I don't have to get surgery. You all have to have surgery with your, yours. You did. So you did. Five screws. Well, I don't like that that idea. That's just, that's, that is not fun. All right. The title for today's message is, Is It Really Worth It All? I want you to jot that down. Is it really worth it all? This is just a standalone message. It's not part of a series, but it's something that I, I want to talk about. Because the Christian life, the sacrifices that we make, um, the hardships that we face in life, including just stuff like this in life, I mean, is it really worth it? And, and are there certain actions and attitudes that we can put into our lives that will uh, cause us to be in that place where we will have reward for eternity? And, and, uh, and the answer is, yeah, absolutely. Definite yes on that. Now, as I move into this message, it's an interesting season for me, and it probably will be for some time, but, uh, but it is, is this time of year, is actually this week, tomorrow, would have been the two-year two years since my father breathed his last breath. I was right by his side, miraculously, an amazing situation. But he breathed his last breath, and he went into eternity at the age of uh, 87. Now, my father had pastored most of his life. Uh, My dad is my biggest hero, and I was able to get his entire library of sermons. And his sermons are are written on on little little pieces of of paper, and, and, and it's just written 
all the way from the very top corners all the way through the margins. There are no margins. There's no white space at all. It's just solid filling out, lots of highlights and lots of different colors. And, and I enjoy looking through my dad's sermons. And, and I have his, his sermons go back to the early 1960s. I mean, I, I, I love it. I love looking at, at his old sermons. And, and for me personally, it's a really incredible treasure. But I found this one sermon, and uh, and and I just I'm I'm just showing you a little corner of it right there. But uh, but the, you can see up in the corner, he says this is his final sermon as a pastor, and then under it in red, my father writes, "Kids there except Tim." I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't there. Well, the reason is, is all the rest of my siblings live very close. I lived halfway across the country. And plus, I was pastoring. It was a Sunday. I don't know why he has M-O-N written on that, because it was definitely a Sunday. But, uh, but, but I wasn't there. And, and, and I saw that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so it's interesting, because a few months ago, when I stumbled onto this, I, I, I kind of kept it nearby. And, and I, I've read through it multiple times, you know, probably 15 times or so. But this is the sermon that, this is a sermon that my father practiced, excuse me, that he preached when he was 72 years of age. And the unique thing about it, it is his final sermon of pastoring. So, you know, he's going to say his last words. He's going to say what's critical as a pastor to people after pastoring for over 50 years. And, uh, and so really what, you're, what I found in these notes was this was the heart cry of, of a man who had sown over 50 years of his life into people and into ministry and into church work. And, and, uh, and his, his final words to his congregation uh, were, were really what you know, were his responsibility. You know, as a pastor, the, you may not know this, but as a pastor, the scriptures tell me I will be judged different than you. Uh, some people say, I want to be a pastor. Maybe you don't. <laughs> because if you're a pastor, you're a teacher, you're actually going to be judged different than other people. And, and I, I'm judged, and my dad will, will be judged on a different level than other people because of the position that we hold and what we say and don't say, how we live, how, what we're doing to help people and, and bring people into eternity. And so my dad, with that understanding, put this, put this little sermon together, and I was just reading through it. And, and, a, and a few weeks ago, uh, and I've read through it so many times, probably, again, about, about 15 times, but, uh, but uh, a few weeks ago as I was praying about this particular day and what I felt the Holy Spirit should have me share, I kept coming back to my dad's sermon notes. And I'm not one to pick up other people's sermons and preach them because that doesn't work. It just doesn't, it's just doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Um, but, but I just kept coming back to it over and over again. And so I thought, well, I'm going to take all of these notes and I'm going to just put them into, into one, you know, one computer, one document on my computer and see what I can come up with here. And, and, and uh, it just began to resonate in me more and more and more. So I have adapted. In fact, doing a sermon like this is a lot more difficult than starting a sermon from scratch. But <laughs> it really is. But I'm taking some of the scriptures and even some of the one-liners that my dad shared in his final sermon to his church. And I'm sharing this with you today. And I'm posing the question, which is the title of today's message. It's very similar to the title my dad gave it. But it's this question, is it really worth it all? Is it really worth it all? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for a spirit of revelation to be in your heart and in your mind. God, I, I pray for my church family right now. I pray for everyone who's hearing me as well as the people who are online. I ask for you to 
open up our ears, open up our hearts, open us up to the, uh, to the wisdom of God that's imparted through your spirit, through the hearing of your word. God, let us hear your words, but not just listen and, and get them into our minds, but to get them into our hearts and so that they'll produce life change in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I asked you to turn to two locations in the scriptures. Actually, I don't think I did. I ask you to turn to the player. Okay. Well, look up Matthew, excuse me, Luke chapter 13. Find that up. Thank you, guys. Thank you for jumping backwards for me. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. There's a second location, Matthew 16, 24. But this is a, these are both in the New Testament. Luke 13, 22, Matthew 16, 24. Right now, I am, uh, I am in the process of watching The Chosen. Have you guys, have you all seen that yet? And, and for the longest time, I'd resisted. I was like, you know what? These, some of these cheesy Christian shows are so cheesy. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch them or not. And finally, Rebecca said, well, let's just try one. I said, okay, we'll try one. And I tried one, and I was hooked, and I'm loving it, and it's so much fun because I get to talk a lot about this, and, and was, was talking the other day like, well, well, you know, Matthew, Mark, someone in the house and said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were great disciples. Like, no, I mean, Luke was not a disciple. Luke was a Gentile. He wasn't a disciple. He was a, this, this is later on. So, so it's kind of cool that you're, we're reading words from, uh, from the Gospels that, uh, that Jesus spoke and that he said and that he, that are recorded there for us for all time, two locations. But I have a lot of other scriptures that I'm sharing with you, and I really encourage you to jot these down, write these down, plus write down the things God's speaking to your own heart. Luke 13, 22 says, then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are there only a few people going to be saved? So this question initiated a response. And he said to them, good words here, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Then he gives this illustration. He says, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. Sir, open the door for us. Now, he's referring to heaven. He's referring to eternity there, okay? But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. And then you'll say, well, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. So there will come a day when it will be worth it all. That's really what the scripture is saying. It's when we're going to walk through the door. Some of your verses may say, uh, some of your Bibles may say through the gate or whatever, but you're going to walk through this narrow door and it's narrow saying, saying that not everybody's going to be able to get through this. And it also says that the door at some point will be closed and there will be people who are wanting in, banging on the door and there will even be a conversation between the closed door saying, hey, 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 you know me. And the Lord says, I never knew you. And so I studied that word new. And, and what it means is, is this. It just means, I don't know you. Uh, I have not visited with you. It means I have not observed you. It also means I do not understand you. So the door is closed for eternity. And, you know what? and I started thinking about that. I mean, really, in all honesty, how can it be that in a land like ours, where we have access to 
Christian media. We have free Bibles on our phones. I mean, come on. Uh, Every time you drive to work, you're passing multiple churches. You drive to the grocery store, you're going to pass a church around here. There there are churches everywhere. Uh, there's, There's just like Christianity is all over the place. But how can it be that Jesus will not know certain people, thus causing them to be locked out of heaven? And one of the answers that we have is actually found in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, where Paul gives us the devil's usual strategy for pulling people under. And this is a strategy that that the enemy uses against people who hang around Christianity. This is important. It's people who hang around Christianity but don't actually jump in. And, And he states this. He says, for although they knew God... They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, I I did a Tim at 12 Bible study on this several weeks ago, and I I broke this down, and I just want to just hit the recap it real quick, but there are these four stages, these four steps into what uh, is really shown here as unbelief. It's worldliness and a loss of Christian love and even rebellion, and this is the kind of stuff that we're seeing happening all around us in our culture right now. People are in these various stages of what I call what I call spiritual apostasy. But, but taking a look back at that scripture, this is actually a progressive thing. So first of all, it says they knew God. You see that? They knew God. So they may have been churchgoers, familiar with the things of God. They even may have the books of the Bible memorized and, and familiar with church and Christian traditions. They have some education about God. But the problem is they did not glorify God. What that, what that means, they, that, that means that they didn't glorify God in their habits, in their lifestyle, in what they did. They didn't have a lifestyle of honoring God. The New Testament goes into great detail in how to, to live that lifestyle, but they didn't live the lifestyle of glorifying God because we do glorify God in our bodies. And and then, then there's the next step. The next level is they did not thank God. So at this point, they are no longer worshipers. They're ungrateful to God. And, and they're, they're just, that, that lack of gratitude actually pulls them down deeper and deeper into apostasy. One of the biggest signs of a person who's maybe moving into apostasy or, or has, has, is rejecting their faith is they no longer have gratitude. There's no gratitude toward the Lord and there's really very little gratitude toward anything or anyone else. So that's, that's one of the big signs and symptoms. And then at the very end, it says they became few, uh, fools. They're, it also says that their thinking became futile. And that's the goal of the devil. He wants to twist your thinking. He wants you acting like a fool. Now, we see fools in our culture all the time. Isn't that right? We do. And, and we, we literally, literally see fools and we see foolishness acting itself out all around us. And, and the lure of the enemy, the lure of the world is to get you to a deeper obligation to the things of this world where your faith is in political systems. Your faith is in the economy. Your faith is in your family or your faith is in that job or that career. Your faith is in a healthy physical body 
or whatever. So your faith is in those things, but your faith is not in God, the God who created you. And so this becomes a serious, serious issue causing this, this, uh, this misdirection in people's lives against the things of God. It ends up with people calling evil good and people calling good evil. And, and really, even in our, in our current culture, if you're gonna stand up for righteousness anymore, you're going to be called intolerant. And if you're gonna stand for sin, then you're gonna be called a hero. I mean, come on, you guys see it all the time. Isn't that right? It, it's out there. It's, it's now become the norm. But that is, this is a warning against that. It's, I, I want to warn you, don't allow yourself to jump into that continuum. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 says this. It says, let us therefore make every effort. That's what Jesus said earlier, okay? Make every effort. There's effort involved to enter that rest so that none will perish by following their example of disobedience. That make every effort means to be diligent because life is wearying and, and, uh, and there is this promised eternal rest. You see that word, enter the rest? There's this eternal rest that's on the other side. Now, that rest is not like taking a nap. I, 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 that, that's not what it is at all. That rest is not like being buried in the ground. I, I, know, I know there's a cemetery around here called Restland. And like, okay, you go there, like everybody's resting. Like, no, they're dead. It's just like, they, no. It's, and that's the truth. If you're buried at Restland, God bless you, you know, whatever. But you'll be dead. And there's, there's nobody resting there unless you're going out and taking a nap on the, on, on the beautiful green mounds, you know. So, so, uh, so, what we don't want to do is to assume that rest in eternity just means like nothingness. Rest is kind of like a day off with unlimited opportunities to have a good time. You don't have to worry about your work. You don't have to worry about anything. Everything's going great, and you're feeling good, and you can just enjoy life. That's what this is This is like similar to. And and that rest is what God wants all of us to move into. And that is actually called eternity. That's heaven. Because in this life, life overall is not restful. It's not. But eternity will be. So that's why I say, I want you to be diligent. I want you to enter uh, into this eternal life. Enter into this rest. Your diligence as a Christian is going to pay off. And the opposite of diligence is what I would call spiritual laziness. And that's what we have to protect ourselves from because eternity is at stake. And there's no room in this life for spiritual uh, laziness. Now in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 and 12, it says this. It says, we want each of you to show the same diligence. There's that word diligence, which also is the same as make every effort. So we see this popping up all through the New Testament. Show the same diligence to the very end. That means the very end of your life. So that what you hope for, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Rest, eternity, wonderful. So that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you, just talking to Christians, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. So there's this, there's this encouragement here. Be diligent to the end. Labor. Make every effort. Be earnest. Endeavor. Study. In fact, it even alludes to seeking out other people who have faith and other people who have 
patience and begin to emulate their lives. That's why being in church is so important because when you're in the community, when you're in the culture, you're not gonna find a lot of people who are full of faith and patience, but hopefully you're gonna find a few around here and therefore we're to, to get into those people's lives and emulate those people's lives. And ultimately what's gonna happen here is you're going to resist spiritual laziness when you do this. And that's what God's calling us. I'm calling you to do that. Resist spiritual laziness. In fact, my dad had in his notes, he said, you can't just coast into heaven because the pull of this world is too strong. It takes effort. Like, yeah, I like that. You can't just coast into heaven. Eternity needs to be this priority in your life. And, and, and in order to do that, you will have to deny yourself. You're going to have to. Now, I want you to look at this other passage of Scripture, Mar uh, Matthew chapter number 16. And I want you to follow along with me, Matthew 16, just three verses, beginning with verse 24. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must do what? Do what? What does it say? What does it say? Deny themselves. Whoa. Who wants that? Who wants to deny themselves? But this is part of what it is to be a believer deny themselves. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So, is it really worth it all looking at that scripture? Well, absolutely it is. Absolutely it's worth it all. If you're willing to deny yourself and follow Jesus, even if it may cost you your physical life, what's going to happen is you're going to begin to, you're going to see your soul, your heart becoming healthier and healthier and healthier. If you, if you focus on the health of your soul, if you focus on the health of your spiritual well-being, instead of making your primary focus the focus of your bank account, the focus, focus of your popularity, the focus of your social media presence, all of that, if that's your primary focus, ultimately you will miss out because all of those things take a toll on you and they misdirect you. Why? <laughs> it's because rewards for Jesus they're right there on the horizon for you. They're there. He's going to reward you for what you have done, not what you have thought about doing, not even for what you've signed up to do. God is not going to reward you for a good, a good pleasant thought. It was, it was funny because I, I, as I was writing this out, I remembered that there's this guy who I was going to college with, and we were all studying to be pastors, and this is way back in the 80s, and, and, uh, and I had just gotten home from church, gotten back, and I, at the church I was going to, I'd leave like about 6.30 in the morning, go, and I'd serve during both services, and then come back and I got back to the dorm, and this friend of mine, he was still in bed. Like, he was in bed. I'm like, dude, why, why weren't you in church? He said, well, the Lord knows my heart. Uh, I'm just, I'm just I, I was resting in the presence of the Lord this morning. I just prayed and said, God, should I just rest today? And God, let's say, uh, yeah. You, I said, oh, good for you. And you're going to be, I said, you're going to be a pastor? He said, well, you know, the Lord understands. It, it's all going to be okay. Well, he, he never became a pastor anyway. But, but you see, 
if there's no efforts, if there's no work put into it, there's going to be a challenge there. Luke chapter 21, verses, uh, uh, verses 34 through 36 says this, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties. See that? Three things. Carousing, drunkenness, and anxiety. So we have to be careful against those things, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the world. In other words, nobody's going to get away from, from, from the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is like, when it's there, it's there. So it says, be always on the watch. Watch. And pray that you will be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you will be able to stand before the Son of Man. Now, first of all, those words carousing, drunkenness, anxieties, the carousing was the word I, like, what does that really mean? I went back to the original language because I thought carousing meant like going out at, at, at night under darkness and you're, you're TPing people's houses and you're just being crazy. I, I really didn't know. I, and I kind of looked up the English dec, uh, uh, definition of it and I found something similar. Like, well, what did it originally mean? <laughs> well, what it originally means is drunken giddiness. That's literally what it means. So it's not, it, it doesn't come across quite right, but it's, it's so, so what he's saying here, if you want to rewrite it, it says, don't be weighed down with drunken giddiness. And then he said drunkenness, which is the act of being drunk, and then anxieties. And that's the bigger one for most of us is you're so stressed out by anxieties. Why are you so stressed out with all the anxieties in your life? It's because you're not handing it to the Lord. You're not giving it to God. It's like, well, how can I just give it to God? Well, you had better just give it to God because the anxiety, the giddiness of, of alcohol or drugs and drunkenness is going to pull you down. It's going to distract you. Amen? Three people believe me today. All right, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. God knows I'm going to keep going. All right, so be careful because your soul will be weighed down. My challenge here is to reject being weighed down. Reject this ball and chain of worldliness because you will find yourself trapped. And the, the way around it, though, is to watch Keep your eyes open. Be spiritually alert to pray. That means be engaged with the Lord. And we do this so that we can escape the tribulation that's going to be coming on the earth. It's very, very, very clear. And instead, we're going to be with Jesus forever. So is it worth it all? Of course it's worth it all. That's what he's saying right here. In fact, one of the things that we can do here that's coming up starting next week is our prayer and fasting week. And you can, you can take it for a prayer and fasting month. You do whatever you'd like to. But one thing that we do around here is we have a prayer and fasting week, and it starts next week. We usually do this around the beginning of the year. And it's going to start Sunday, uh, Sunday evening. We'll have a prayer time right here at 6 p.m. And then every weekday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to have noon prayer here as well. And I hope you'll join me for that. And, and I encourage you, find, find a time to come out and pray and seek God and spend some time fasting. In fact, I was, <laughs> I was beginning my fast on, uh, on the day that I fell. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to change that around a little bit. And I did. And I, God, God understands it. I, he does understand that. I, I know that I'm gonna, I'm not, I've got to have some like food in me to help me with the medicine that I've got to take and all that. But, but find a time, just sculpt some time out to spend some time fasting. Seek God during that time of fasting. Fasting is when you deny your flesh. Fasting, to fast literally means to uh, afflict yourself. To fast, actually the word fasting, what does it literally mean? It means don't eat. That, that's really what it means, it's not eating. And, and so 
just find a way somehow to spend some time in fasting, denying your flesh because you begin to push down the desires of the flesh and you tune up the desires of the spirit. So you begin to hear from God. Now, Paul told the Christians in this uh, church that he had planted in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, he says, whoever sows to please the flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So our deeds and our actions in this life, they are like seeds. You sow a corn kernel, and I lived in the Midwest for a while, and I saw this happen. Uh, you, 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 see, you sow a, a corn kernel, and you're going to get a corn stock with all of these ears of corn filled with corn kernels. Uh, you know, I also lived in the Northwest as a kid, and, and if you sow an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree, and then you're going to have all these apples on them, and they're going to keep coming and coming and coming. So whatever you sow grows. Whatever you are doing on a daily basis, you're adding to something. You're sowing seed with every action and with every deed. So it is going to produce a crop and it produces the same thing that you have sown. Um, what does it mean to sow to the flesh? Well, it's, it's simply where life is all about you. It's all about um, what you want and what feels good to you. It's not really about what, uh, uh, what might be best for you or what is best for you, and it certainly would not be what is, what is biblical. And that's, that's a challenge for our culture because our culture is continually sowing to the flesh. And as a result, so many people are reaping that same destruction in their own lives. And the destruction is not necessarily seen in this life, but it's also seen in eternity. So are you sowing to please the Spirit? Are you feasting on the Word of God? Are you sowing seeds of love and compassion toward other people? Are you sowing your time and your resources and your talents toward building the kingdom of God? Are you sowing the seeds of prayer in your life, uh, your, your family, your work, your church, your community, your nation? Are you praying? Are you seeking God on behalf of, of, of all of this? And, you know, uh, one thing that, that's happened in our nation over the past several years is politics has become more important than religion. It really has. More people are worshiping politics than religion. And, and there are a lot of people that, you know, people are, get, become very, very passionate about it. I have no problem with you being passionate about politics. That's, that's fine, but don't replace, don't, don't make that your God. Uh, you know, so, so many times I hear people just, just angry or upset or just about some political thing that's happening. Okay, well, what are you proving by that? What are you going to change by that? Why don't you go, why don't you go and get in the prayer closet and pray for an hour for that person? How many of you pray regularly for President Biden? I do. Get your hands up next time, all right? Do you hear me? Maybe nobody likes that. I said, next time, be able to put your hand up for that. That guy needs prayer. Do you understand? It does not take an idiot to know. I mean, you can be, you can be, he doesn't have it all going for him. I'm not trying to put him down at all because I will not speak evil of a leader. I will not do that because the scriptures say not to. But he is not cognitively well. That man is in charge of our nation. You had better be praying for our president. And when he's gone, you pray for the next one and the next one and the next one. Let's pray right now. Let's pray right now for him. God, I I lift up Joe Biden to you. Well, this man has been put into office 
to lead the most powerful nation on the face of this earth. Lord, we all know that he's not doing well mentally. And we pray for your presence to be upon him, for your conviction to be upon him. Give him a clear mind. Give him a clear mind so that he can execute righteous judgment and speak to him. Give him dreams and visions and give him, let him be intersected with the word of God and the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Your prayers for political things will do much more than any of the ranting and raving and posting stuff online, all right? Amen? Keep sowing that spiritual seed. That's what it is. That is spiritual seed. Don't grow weary in doing well. You know what? Your, the, the reward that's ahead of you is conditional upon you not giving up. And your reward will be amazing. So is it worth it all? Is it worth all this? Absolutely it is. I mean, again, when I lived in the Midwest, I saw farmers and they would plow and they would plant and they would fertilize and they, they would nurture in the heat with exhaustion and pain and toil. Their, their lives were not easy. They worked and worked and worked and saw no results until months later and then all of a sudden the crop came. You know what? So often in our lives, we do a little thing. We sow a seed. Well, I did it, and the seed didn't pop up, so I can see God doesn't care. No. We are to work it and work it and work it. Nobody said this life is easy. It's funny. When I, when I let, the, let my sons know what I had done, uh, I, you know, I let them know how I had fell and dislocated my shoulder, and, and one of my sons says, well, Dad, life is hard. <laughs> yep, yep. And it's funny because I raised my boys with that. I, I raised my boys with it. I never said life is easy. Life is fun. You know, life is like, hey, the truth is life is hard. Amen. All right. Yeah. Life is hard. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. No, I, I'm not one of those preachers like, oh, life is so easy. Mine is so perfect. And you're looking at me going, I don't look too perfect to me. Yeah. No, I'm not going to lie to you. Life is hard. And and anyone who's going to tell you that it's not, they're lying. But life is hard. But but we have God with us to walk us through the difficulties and the challenges of life. And there is reward for that right now as well as in eternity. Romans 8.18, Paul says this, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. So today's sufferings are worth it. Mark chapter 10, verse 28 says this, says then Peter spoke up, well, we've left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions. And in the end of the age to come, and in the end, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So, you see this scripture again. It is worth it all. You will be blessed with good things 100 times more, <laughs> according to this scripture, what Jesus said, than what you gave up or what you had to put on the line for serving the Lord. And so as you give your strength, as you give your time, as you give your energy, as you give your substance, know this. Someone is watching. He's watching you. And he's looking to reward you. Did you hear that? He's looking to reward you. 
And it works this way with our giving as well. Proverbs chapter 3 says this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruit of your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it for me to give my tithes and my offerings because God blesses faithfulness. And he blesses my faithfulness even in this life right now in the here and now. So it is worth it all. And you can call upon God and he's going to answer. That's another one of the beautiful benefits that we have with serving the Lord. It is worth it. In John chapter 3 verse 22, it says, Receive from him anything we ask him in prayer because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. So when you're doing what pleases God, you're keeping the commands of the Lord. He's listening to your prayers and he says, Yeah, I want to come through for you then. There. That's a benefit of this life. It's a benefit of serving God, and I'm grateful for that. But the benefits in this life are nothing compared to eternity. Now, I want to be, I want you to be very open your ears very, very well on this. Because if all we talk about in church is how God can help you right now get through this situation right here and right now, which is important. I'm not downplaying that at all, at all. I mean, I want God to help me with this, okay? But, but if that's all we talk about, then we've missed it, and we've missed it in a huge way. Because Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. He says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, if only for this life, that means this present life like we're living, then we are of all people most to be pitied. So if we make the gospel all about how serving the Lord is how to get good things out of your life, then we've actually done our lives a disservice. And you or me, we are to be pitied if that's our take on life. So Christianity is not primarily about having a better life in this world. That's not the primary focus of Christianity, although Please hear me, and I, 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 I have no way of fixing this, but the American church teaches something very different than this. The American church teaches like, hey, Christianity is all about what you can get from God now, and it's not. It's a portion of it, but it's not. It's not. I mean, the benefits are there, but when this life is over, that's when it all becomes real. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, people are destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. Now, judgment is not necessarily a bad thing, all right? It, if, you've ever, if you've ever watched, um, let's see, ever, you, you guys have ever watched Judge Judy? Judge Judy, all right, you've watched Judge Judy. And at the very end, Judge Judy, she will, she will say, well, I make a judgment in favor of so-and-so. So that means the judgment means like you're going to get, like she's gonna, this other guy's going to get $1,000 because this woman like stepped on his dog or something like that. And so he gets a judgment of $1,000 and is like, yeah, so the judgment was good for the person who did the right thing. The judgment was bad for the person that did the wrong thing. So judgment goes both ways, all right? But at the moment of your death, your book is going to cease to be written. God has been keeping detailed records of your life and he will continue to do so. And your your body will be dead at that point, but your spirit is going to live on. 
Now, John, when he was in prison on the island of Patmos, and he was in prison there for, for preaching the gospel, he began having these visions. In fact, the whole book of Revelation, when you read that, know that this all happened while Paul was in prison on this Alcatraz type of island called Patmos. And, and God had shown him these things, and he, he was writing down all the things that God said. But near the end of the book of Revelation, yeah, a lot of people say, well, there's a lot of scary stuff in Revelation. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of scary stuff. But you get to those last chapters, and you're going to see the reward for God's people and how awesome it is. Revelation chapter 20. Look at this. Love Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Put it up on the screens. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and those <laughs> and, and him who was seated on it. The heavens, excuse me, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place from them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Books. Now, there's no specificity as to what these books are. But what I believe and what most scholars believe is that God is writing literally a book of your life. And, and, and these are the books that will be open. And it also says, and, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the book of life is simply a list of names. The dead were judged, look at this, the dead were judged according to what they have done as recorded in the books. Wow. So in my mind's eye, the best I can understand, and most theologians would agree with me, is that there's a book in heaven that's called The Life and Times of Timothy W. Woody. And in parentheses from Fort Worth. Yeah, so don't get me mixed up with some other one. I don't want them pulling out the wrong one and reading to me. Well, you killed 17 people and you were a reprobate. Like, no, no, that wasn't me. That was the other guy. That was the guy who lived in Dallas. But, but <laughs> you want to make sure that you know, he, he's pulling out the right one. But he's, there's, there's a book with your name on it is, what is what's being said here. And recorded in that book are your deeds. Here's, here's the beauty of it. <laughs> If you have been forgiven by Jesus of your sins, every sinful act that, would have, that was written in that book is pushed out. It is forgotten. It's gone. It's like an auto-delete. <laughs> that great? And every righteous act that you have done is recorded there. Now, that's pretty amazing. Now, if you're not, if you're on the other side, if you've not given your life to Christ, well, I'm sorry, it's all added up. And the good deeds will not be able to outweigh the bad deeds. There's just, it's not at all. So it says the dead were judged according to what they have done as recorded in the books. The sea gave the, the dead that were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done, every individual. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And, but this is also important. Look at that last verse. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So again, this is where every single person will stand before God. And I'm telling you, every president, every king, every business owner, every husband, every wife, every child, the poorest of the poor, and the wealthiest of the wealthy, the beautiful people, and the not so beautiful people will all stand before God and will answer to the deeds that they did in this earth. One line that my dad said over and over and over in his sermons, which I found in this one as well, so I want to share this with you. He said this, he says, 
I, I memorized this as a, as a child. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Your record will follow you. And when you get to that moment, I hope you'll say, it was worth it all. At the end of this life, um, your labor of fighting your good fight of faith, keeping your faith, it will be rewarded beyond your most fabulous dreams. You can't even comprehend. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says this, it says, I've fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Are you longing for the appearing of the Lord? Yeah. And as we long for the appearing of the Lord at that day, we will say it is worth it all. My dad talked about this quite often, and I found this in his notes as well. But he, always, he told me, since I was a child, he said, my mother, before she died, he said, he, or his mother died when, when uh, he was 15. But he says she had this plaque that was right up above the door, and you'd walk out of the house. So this would have been in the uh, 1940s. And that plaque had these words on it, only one life which will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Well, that's good. See, 2022, let's just call that a chapter that's been written and it's done. The only thing to, ch the only way to change anything that has been written or done in there is to blot out sins by asking God to forgive you. It's that simple. Nothing else can be changed in the past. You can't go back and redo the beginning pages of 2023 are now being written. They're being recorded in heaven. I like to think that there's a title for each, each, uh, each new chapter for each new year. And I'm hoping that in, in heaven, mine says 2022, stand, which is my word for the year. And then he crashed and fell, but you know, still. <laughs> but you know what? There will be a time when the final chapter of your heavenly book will be written and all of God's records for you will be complete and will be over with. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing whether it's good or evil. It's then that you'll be glad that you did what you did on this earth for the sake of eternity. It will be worth it all, the, strugg <clears throat> the struggles and the pain and the frustrations in this life because, yeah, life is hard. But the struggles and pain and frustrations of this life, you'll look back and say, that was nothing. That was nothing. It was worth it all for what I have now. The closing words of Jesus in the Bible, Revelation 22, he says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give each person according to what they have done. It is worth it all. And then the final call that God gives us at the very end of the Bible, at the very last chapter, the very end of Revelation in, in uh, chapter 22, verse uh, 17, he challenges us to do everything possible to get this living water that he provides for people, get it to as many people as possible.
I want to accept that challenge. Right now, that door into eternity, that, that door into reward, it is, it's still open. But the question, mark, the question that I have to ask is, is that still going to remain the case tomorrow or next week or in 2024? I don't know because it will close. Don't forget what I read in Luke chapter 13, verse 24. Make every effort, every effort, effort. You see that? To enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, that's, I don't know how to describe that, but that's troubling to me. I don't like the fact that Jesus said many will try to enter and not be able to. Where is that line? I don't know. But I do know this much. (laughs) Make sure that you're saved. Make sure you're sharing the gospel with others. Make sure you are laboring for the Lord and you're doing the things that's going to add to the reward in heaven. It's just like it was with Noah's Ark. Scripture says that God closed the door of Noah's Ark and people were banging on the doors wanting in at that point. But it was closed. It was too late. So as I was considering what this message entails, I really came up with four little action items. And I'm going to ask you to choose at least one of these. Will you? Jot these down. Ask yourself these questions. These are questions to consider. The first one is this. Is Jesus the Savior and Lord of your life? That's more important than anything else. Is Jesus the Savior and Lord of your life? Is he? Is he? Because if not, for you, the door is cl- the door will be closed, and you will not have access. Second, regarding the rewards, a good question for you is this: Am am you? That should say, are you? You can see uh, I was on my medicine when I wrote this out, also. But are you sowing spiritual seed daily? Are you sowing spiritual seed daily? Every day, my friend, every day continue to sow spiritual seed somehow, somehow. The third one, I'm going to say it right. Are you offering the living water of Jesus to others? Are you offering the living water of Jesus to others? Are you letting people see Jesus in you? Are you sharing it with Jesus? Next week, I'm going to be talking about some things we'll be doing as a church here and in a a few weeks for our neighborhood about sharing the gospel. But it's so important to offer the living water of Jesus. Those are his final words in the Bible. And then the fourth question is this. How can you use your time, finances, and talents to invest in eternity? How can you? Specifically, can you answer that question? For everybody, it's a little bit different, and that's okay. How can you use your time? How can you use your finances? How can you use your talents to invest in eternity? Because ultimately, like I shared earlier, eternity is really all that counts. And when you, I I don't want to say if, I want to say when for (laughs) y'all. When you get there, you will say, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. Can you imagine? Oh, man, my friends. Can you imagine eternity, which is very challenging for us to comprehend? 
because everything is finite on this earth. But can you imagine eternity, which goes on forever, and you will live forever, pain-free. Thank goodness, none of this stuff. You're going to live in eternity forever with the Lord, eternal rest, enjoyment. Yeah, it's like a day off times 15 quadrillion, you know. Right there with the Lord. Perfect body. All your relationships will just be perfect. You're not going to be arguing with anyone. And trust me, nobody will care about politics. Thank God. <laughs> You'll be able to focus on the Lord. And there will be degrees of rewards we will all receive in heaven based upon what we did on this earth. Did you catch that? There will be degrees of rewards. There, the, the, it's not just one flat-out basic reward for everyone. And Jesus even says some of the first will be last and the last will be first. So people who you think might be getting huge rewards in eternity may not be getting those huge rewards. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, and I, Jack, I hope you don't mind. I brought this up before, but Jack's a formerly homeless individual. We've taken him off the streets. We take care of him, watch out for him, and help meet his needs. Been going to church here since the beginning. But I've told you, I, I see the generosity in his life. He's a very, very generous person. Extremely generous. I mean, the dude has given an offering to this church every day since he's been here since the very beginning. I, I don't know where he gets it. Nothing illegal, trust me. I, I know this, this guy. But I've told Jack so many times, like, Jack, when we get into heaven, I, I hope you'll let me come visit you in your mansion because I know it's going to be really, 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 really awesome. Really awesome. Really, really awesome. I know you might be thinking, ah, Tim, yeah, you're probably going to have the coolest one on the block. Well, I hope so. But I hope you do as well. I hope, really, I hope yours is cooler than mine. It's not just your mansion. It's all the other rewards. We're not giving, we're not given any specificity as to what those rewards look like. But they will be wonderful. And we earn those rewards based upon what we do in this life. You guys catching this? So is it really worth it all? Is the junk you have to deal with in this life worth it all? Is the efforts that you put forward to, to advance God's kingdom, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it all to come to church? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I want nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and you're not in relationship with Jesus. Your, your sins are not forgiven, and you don't know whether you would be in heaven or not. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you, but I want you to pray a prayer out loud, asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and invite him to become the king of your life. Again, nobody looking around, but I am. I'm looking. I'm going to ask you if, if that's you, and you would like to give your life to Jesus today, let me ask you in a second to lift your hand. I'm going to count to three. Just lift your hand straight up in the air. That's me, Pastor. And I want to pray for you, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray out loud as well. And in doing so, what you're doing is you're causing that door to be open for your future, for eternity, plus a whole lot more. Praying this prayer will definitely be worth it all. Worth it all. 
If that's you, you want to pray this prayer with me, lift your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Lift it up real high so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? You can put your hands down. Who else? Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I'm done with this sin. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Congregation, I want you to pray these words with me as an encouragement to those around you who are giving their lives to Christ right now. People who are turning their back on an eternity of desolation and hell. How awesome is this moment? If you lifted your hand, pray these words with me. Church prayed as well. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Today I make the choice to give up my past and embrace the wonderful future that you have for me. I choose to live for you rather than living for myself. I choose to embrace you instead of embracing the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. I want to pray over everyone else right now. God, I pray that this will be a church, a congregation, a group of people who sow spiritually, continually. We're always sowing spiritual seed of one type or another. I pray, God, that we will be the people who get our hands dirty, just like the farmer who's out there toiling and working and sweating. God, that we will do whatever is necessary on this earth to plant that spiritual seed, Lord, that we know is going to produce a fruit. It's going to produce results both here, now, but especially in eternity. God, I pray that we will be people that will offer the living water of Jesus to others. God, that we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to be intimidated. And if someone puts us down, someone mocks us, someone persecutes us, or asks questions we can't answer, we're going to be just fine with that because we're doing what we are called to do. We're called to bring as many people with us into eternity. And God, I pray, Lord, that we will be people who will use our time, we will use our finances, we will use our talents, and we will invest those things into eternity for the sake of eternity. God, we don't want to be just lame little Christians acting like we're serving you, going to church, going through the motions. God, we want to make a difference in this world, God, and we want to do it in a strong and forceful way. So we choose to take action with our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And everybody says... Everybody says, come on, stand up, stand up. Man, you guys have had, we've had a good time together. We, you've, we've had the word, you've heard my crazy story. We even stopped and prayed for the president. Now that's good. Amen? How many of you guys are going to start praying for your president? Yeah, good, 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 good. Yeah, you, you need to do that all the time. And I'm serious, not just your president. You need to be praying for your mayor, pray for, pray for your governor. I mean, my goodness, some of y'all need to start praying for your husbands. <laughs> you know? They're like, yeah, I have been. Well, good, good. Then, then, dudes, you need to start praying for your wives too, all right? But this is what makes a difference in life. So I want us to sing this song. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. One last time before we close today. God bless you. Let's worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.